Good morning. It's good to see everyone out today. It's been a joy to worship together thus far. We're going to continue worshiping and praising God as we open up His Word and we study from it together for the next few minutes. I'm going to ask you to find Luke chapter 12. We're going to spend some time in one of the parables that Jesus tells there in Luke chapter 12, most commonly known as the parable of the rich fool. The parables that Jesus told are fascinating for a variety of different reasons. We could go on and on just about the amazing nature of the parables and the way that they're utilized, but they're so easy to understand. Jesus uses story to to help illustrate very important spiritual meaning to events and to lives and to people's actions. And he uses stories that are easily easy to relate to, even still today. Many of them have an agricultural bent to them of some sort. But regardless of the, the imagery that he chooses to use, he uses them intentionally so that the spiritual message that Jesus is seeking to impart can be easily grasped and easily understood. And it's for that reason that they are one of his most utilized teaching tools throughout his ministry. And this parable in Luke chapter 12 is is so fascinating uh, to me primarily because of the setup, which we'll talk about that here in just a moment. But it's a very simple story, a story that many of you have probably heard before. Uh, But as we dig a little bit deeper into it this morning, I want to just emphasize how applicable these teachings of Jesus are to us today. And I hope that wherever you are, whatever your life may look like, as we read and spend some time in this parable together this morning, I hope that you can find the same meaning in it as I have as I've studied it this week. So let's begin by reading this, beginning in verse number 13 of Luke chapter 12. Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And then verse number 22 as well. And he said to his disciples, Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. I mentioned at the outset that one of the reasons this parable really spoke to me this week as I was studying it is the setup to this. 
You see, the, the question, or not really even the question, but, but, but the setup to open the door for Jesus to teach this parable had nothing to do with this rich man who had so many crops that he didn't know what to do with, and so he tore down his barns and he built bigger barns. That wasn't the question, that wasn't the statement, that, that had nothing to do with what was being asked of Jesus. The setup to this was a man coming to Jesus and saying, you need to go tell my brother to divide our inheritance with me. That, that was the ask that was made of Jesus. But the way that Jesus then took this statement or this ask that was made of him and turned it into the great teaching that we just read in Luke chapter 12 should be a reminder to us of Jesus' purpose for coming to this earth. See, Jesus did not come to this earth to reconstruct or remodel the legal system. That was not his intent. He came to reshape hearts. And so when this question or statement was brought to him, this request was made of him, Jesus very quickly heard what the man said, but responded by saying, listen, I'm not a judge. I'm not here to be an arbitrator over your legal or civic matters. That's not my purpose here. But he didn't just stop by telling the man, I don't want to talk about this. I don't have any interest in your personal matters. He took that opportunity to then share some very important, deep, spiritual truths with all those who were present. See, Jesus took that opportunity and turned it around to reiterate to everyone his true purpose in being here. Jesus' purpose was to seek and to save the lost. That's why he came. Now, the spiritual truths and the principles of wisdom and godliness that he shared, they can and they should influence and shape our legal systems. And they should allow us to interject some of that wisdom into civic matters. But let's not inverse Jesus' purpose. His purpose was to change hearts. And if we are to mirror Christ in our lives, we have to make sure that our purpose is also clear. Jesus' teachings and the truths contained in Scripture, they should influence how we interact with one another and how we view our legal system and how we view civic matters. It should influence us in those ways. But let's never forget what our true purpose is. Our true purpose is to seek and to save the lost. Our true purpose is to change hearts and turn them to the Lord. That's our purpose, just like it was Jesus' purpose. Now, he saw an opportunity here to share these words of wisdom about how we think towards possessions and how we think towards wealth. And he saw that opportunity and he took advantage of that opportunity, not because of the request made of him, but because he knew how big of a problem this concept of covetousness 
and the way we view possessions in this world truly is, and the stumbling block that they can be to our hearts. And that really, as we get into the parable itself, brings to light a very important principle that, again, is something easy for us to say, but a bit more challenging as we begin to dive deeper into it. The parable that Jesus tells is about a rich person, a person who has a lot of crops, a lot of goods, has the mean to tear down barns and build bigger barns. This is a wealthy individual. However, covetousness is not a rich or poor problem. There is sometimes a misconception that the poor or the less fortunate among us would somehow be immune to covetousness. But the reality is that nothing could be further from the truth. Because whether you're rich, or whether you're poor, or whether you're somewhere in the middle, Jesus recognized in his day and age, and it is just as true today, that the way that we view comforts of this life, luxury, ease, the pursuit of money, homes, retirement, savings, etc., the way that we view those things has a direct impact on our ability to have a relationship with our Father in heaven. That's why Jesus' teaching was so important that he take advantage of this opportunity as the door was opened to him to speak about these things because he knew the problem that awaits everyone, the stumbling block that these things can be to all of us. In our reading in 1 Timothy chapter 6, if you flip back over there, there's some interesting language used in that text. We're not going to re-read all of this, but I want you to just listen to some of the language that is used in the text that was just read for us. In verse number 9, those who desire to be rich, fall into temptation. Verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. You see, you don't actually have to have it (laughs) to fall into this temptation. You just have to want it, desire it, long for it, chase it. That's where the stumbling block comes. That's where the problems arise. You can be the richest person in the world and still want more. You can be the poorest person in the world and want and desire more. That's why contentment is what Paul focuses on in this writing to Timothy. You see, Jesus calls to our attention the problem that covetousness can be for all of us. If the things of this life dominate our thinking, if the pursuit of success, the pursuit of money, the pursuit of bigger and better dominates our thinking... If everything that we do, where we live, how we act, how we spend our time, if all of that is governed 
by the pursuit of more. I don't care whether you don't have anything or whether you have a lot. Jesus looks at that mindset and calls it foolish. Because those things can take our attention away from what's truly important. It takes our attention away from our purpose that we talked about just a moment ago. It takes our time away from relationships and individuals that are truly meaningful. And that's why it's a problem that has to be talked about often, frequently, and regardless of your socioeconomic setting. Covetousness is a problem for everyone if we allow it to be. So this important teaching from Jesus is something that we must be reminded of. And this leads us into this third point. Jesus doesn't specifically talk about stewardship here. That's not a word that he uses in this text. However, it is a concept that is very much present. Stewardship and ownership are very different things. Stewardship implies that something has been given to me from someone else, and it is going to be taken back, and I am to care for it for a period of time. If Tony loaned me his car, I have a responsibility to be a good steward of it while it's in my possession, to use it appropriately, to respect it, so that I can then return it to him in the same condition in which he gave it to me. That's the idea of stewardship. Now, ownership is a very different thing. Tony can do whatever he wants to with his car. It's his car. I can't if he loans it to me because it's not mine. But, but he can because he owns it. Now, I want you to think about those two concepts. Stewardship and ownership. When we think about this world, are we stewards of this world or are we owners of this world? I want you to think about your body. Are you a steward of your body or are you an owner of your body? Think about your children. Are you to be a steward of your children? Or are you an owner of your children? Now, when I talk about it from the perspective of a car, that's a pretty easy conversation to have. But when we begin to talk about things like our own bodies and our children and the relationships that we have and the world that surrounds us, We have to remember that every single thing that we have, that we have been given, is from God. He is the owner of those things. He created them. Any blessing that I have has been given to me by Him. I am simply a steward. This concept begins at the very beginning. Look back in Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, as God creates everything and he puts man on the earth, listen to what he says as he creates 
man puts him in the garden and says this in verse number 28 of Genesis chapter 1. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Subdue it. Have dominion over it. Take care of it. Why? Because it's God's. It's God's, and he placed us as stewards over this earth. When I think about this idea, that reminds me of just how important it is that I be responsible with what I've been given. It reminds me to respect everything that I have. It reminds me to have the proper focus. It reminds me to have the proper mindset towards everything that I have. And it reminds me to not get too attached to things of this earth. Because as a steward, they are only in my possession for a short period of time. I am an eternal being. You are an eternal being created by God. But everything that we have, everything that we can touch, everything that we can see, everything that we have, is only temporary. We are only stewards. Everything is God's and everything will go back to Him one day. If those things become our source of stability in this life, we are in for a very rocky road. If those things become our source of purpose, then we are in for a very disappointing life. Jesus reminds us as he tells this parable that all of the money, all of the goods that this man had accumulated... They weren't his. He was just a steward of them. And one day, they were going to be passed on to the next person. And if not consumed by that person, then one day they would be passed on to the next after that, and so on and so forth. Because we are only stewards. We need to apply that principle to the most trivial of things, but also to the most meaningful of things. The end of this parable is a sad one because we can learn some of the lessons from this story, but the story of this man, and that is what it is, it's just a story, but the story of this man tells us that his time came to an end before he learned these important truths. Because as he was in the, in the process of tearing down his barns and building bigger ones, as he was in the process of dreaming of days of ease and luxury, that very night his soul was required of him. I'm in the process of reading a novel, which doesn't sound like much to a lot of you, I understand. To me, that's a big deal. I'm not a big reader. 
outside of the Bible, I don't read very much, other than some, I'll, I'll read nonfiction occasionally. But it's been a long time since I've read a novel. But I decided, you know what, I'm going to turn over a new leaf, and I'm going to read a novel. And so every night I read a little bit of this book. And it's a big book, at least to me it's a big book. And so it's taken me a long time to get through it. I've been reading this for several months now. But I'm very close to the end. And this big book that's something like 500 pages long, I've got like 50 pages left. So you can imagine, it's, I mean, it looks like I'm right at the end of this book. And probably within the next week or two, I'll finish the book that I'm reading. And as you get to the end of a novel, the plot thickens, it gets exciting, the intrigue rises, because you know you're getting towards the end, you're, you're almost at the end, and so you know, everything is coming to a climax, But once I read that last page, whenever that may be, that book's over. And I'll close it for the last time, and I'll put it back on our shelf. As I was reading this parable, it reminded me of the fact that there's some similarities between that novel that I'm reading in my life, in your life, we are all telling our own story as we move throughout our lives. And that story has different characters in it. That story has ups and downs. That story has grief and happiness. That story has joy and sadness. But one day, just like my novel, the story of your life is going to be closed, and the last page is going to be written. Now, the difference, and what this parable reminds us of, the difference is that I can see the end of my book coming. I can look at it and see... You know, 400 and some odd pages have passed and only 50 remain. Another week or two and I'm done. I can see that coming. I can predict when I'll finish this book. You and I can't do that with our lives. Just like the man in Jesus' story. He, he didn't know that that day was going to be the conclusion of his story. He didn't know that the story of his life would be closed that night. But it was. And my guess is, if this were a real person and we could talk to him, my guess is he would say that he's not happy with how his book ended. We don't know when the last page of our story is going to be written. That's why it's important that we live every single day as if that last page is going to be written tonight. And if that last page of my life is written tonight, 
I want it to be a page that I can be proud of. And I want it to be a page, more importantly, that God is proud of. That means, as we've just talked about, I have to be true to my purpose every single day. Why am I here? What is truly important for me to be focused on? That's why I have to have a healthy relationship with the things that I have, the relationships that I have, the people in my life. I have to have a healthy relationship with those things. And I have to remember that they all belong to God and that He calls on me to be a good steward of those things while in my possession. If I remain focused on those things, and I remain connected to my Lord in faith, then I can be confident that if my soul is required of me this evening, that the last page of my book is one that I'll be proud of. If you're here this morning, I want you to think about the story that you're telling. I want you to think about the book that you're writing. Maybe it's a tragedy. Maybe there are parts of it that you're embarrassed by. We serve a God who can take that tragic, perhaps embarrassing story and turn it into one of the greatest ones ever told. Because he offers us love and forgiveness, and compassion, and hope. And Jesus Christ came to earth and brought to it grace that all of us can grab hold of as we become a child of His. And the end of our story can look very different than what the beginning may have looked like. There's no reason this morning that any of us should walk out of here without being confident that if like the rich fool that we read about in Luke chapter 12, if our life comes to an end tonight, I can be okay with that, and I can be proud of the life that I've lived, knowing that I served the Lord, knowing that He saved me, and knowing that I have a home waiting in heaven for me. If we can help you in any way this morning, please come to the front and let us know as we stand and sing.